Good morning, everybody. It is good to be with you guys. It is truly a privilege. It's always a privilege to share God's Word. Uh, and, and if you can imagine, just, just being able to uh, impart truth and impart revelation is a, a, a great privilege. But uh, when I get to do that right here in Castle Rock, it's just an extra special treat. And I just believe that God has something uh, special for us today um, from His Word and uh, on this theme of celebration. As uh, uh, you heard Peter say, uh, this is part of our Simple series, and this weekend's message is on simple celebration. I you know, hope that you had a good celebration. Anybody have a good celebration with family and friends and loved ones and whatnot over Christmas? Uh, hopefully you're heading into some sort of celebration, or at least acknowledgement of, uh, of the new year that's starting out. But I believe that God has uh, in His Word just some power-packed principles for us that can truly uh, not just make it kind of a fun thing of celebration, but truly make a change in our spirit and actually prepare us by changing our outlook to expect even greater things from God in our lives and be able to, to, to collaborate with God in what He wants to do. So, you ready to jump into that? Yes, okay, all right. Is this thing on? Okay, good. All right, awesome. Uh, want to uh, take you to our text today, and our text is found in the book of Joshua, the fifth book of or sixth book of the Bible, uh, chapter four, and I'm going to read verses one through nine. Um, and it's so it's a little bit of a passage that explains kind of uh, the theme that we're taking this weekend. And uh, so I'm going to read that. Let's read it together. Uh, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, "Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe." And tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. Listen to this. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had commanded Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. I wanted just to share with you a little bit of the context of this story. It's kind of like, what? Some guys took some stones from a river and, you know, is this one David and Goliath? No, that's a different story. This is the context of this story. You all remember from, uh, well, perhaps if you've seen Exodus, you know, Gods and Kings, or you've seen the old Charlton Heston Ten Commandments movie, or if you've read in God's Word. <gasps> in the book of Exodus, it talks about uh, the idea of when the people of God were in, uh, enslaved in Egypt for 430 years, and their cries came up to the Lord, and uh, God had mercy on them, and He sent a deliverer by the name of Moses to them. And so Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let God, my, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh was like, I don't, I'm not getting that from God, you know, I'm not hearing that, you know, I want a confirmation. Anyway, so God sent a confirmation by way of ten plagues upon the country of Egypt and upon the rulers there. And eventually after the last plague, which was the killing of the firstborn of each family in Egypt, obviously a, a terrible plague, um, finally Pharaoh relented and let God's people go. And so they, man, they were celebrating and woo, we're free. Can you imagine? I mean, you thought Braveheart was like, freedom! 
come. You know, this was like after 430 years, you know, even more. And so they left and they were rejoicing in God, but they get to the Red Sea. All of a sudden, it's this barrier in their way. They can't move forward. All of a sudden, Pharaoh had changed his mind. He's pursuing them with chariots and with his army, wanting to just kill them all in the deserts. And they find themselves in a very precarious situation where they're at the end of their rope. There's nothing they can do in their own power to change their situation. They call out to God. Moses calls out to God, God, what are you going to do? And God says, stretch out your rod over the Red Sea. And he does that, and what happens? God opens up. The Red Sea, miraculously before them, they're able to pass through. Probably several million people pass through on dry ground, and the water closes them behind. Now, here's the deal. Some people are like, oh, it was just like a changing of the tides, and it was just this and that. Well, okay, fine, if that's how you want to look at it. Well, then the miracle is that Pharaoh and all his army of charioteers drowned in like two inches of water if it was just a tide. So, you know, however you want to look at the miracle, I don't care, but it was a miracle. It was the power of God that did for his people what only he could do. So then they went through, uh, got to the promised land not long later, a couple of months later, and had a chance to believe God for the promise He had promised them, but they didn't believe God. After they sent in the spies, they were like, oh, everybody looks really big and tall, and either they're on, you know, creatine, or, you know, I don't know, they're going to, you know, kick our behinds. And so they sink down into disbelief and unbelief. So because of that, God says, okay, you know what, you guys need to wander around the desert for 40 years, and I'm going to let the generation that was 20 years and older die in the desert so that only the new generation will have a chance to receive and inherit the promises that I've made to their fathers. So 40 years they're wandering the desert. Finally, they get to the promised land. This is where this story takes place. Joshua was now the leader. Moses had given him command, and, and he had gone uh, to be with the Lord. And so they find themselves on the east side of the river. The river's here. The city of Jericho with its mighty walls are right here on the west side of the river. And they're standing there. All of a sudden, once again, they have a barrier. And they're like, what are we going to do? What's God going to do? But all of a sudden, as uh, Joshua instructed, when the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant that had the very manifest presence of God among His people in it, when their feet touched the river, Again, the power of God was displayed in a way that only He could do. The waters parted once again like they had 40 years earlier. God's people were able to walk through on dry ground and make it to the other side to begin to inherit the land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land. And that's when Joshua said, hey, make sure you pick up 12 stones from the riverbed because we don't ever want to forget what God did for us today. We don't ever want to forget how He showed His power on our behalf. We don't even want our kids or grandkids or great-grandkids, anybody for generations to come, like it says. We want to have something we can point to and go, hey, this is where God showed His faithfulness and showed His love to us. And so that is the context that we're using today to talk about celebration and the power that it can have in our lives. I put here, God demonstrated His power and love on behalf of His people and brought them through a situation that they never could have made it through on their own. So here's the deal. I wanted to, to, to share briefly a couple of important reasons uh, to celebrate. And the first one that I can think of is that God models it for us. Okay, would you agree that when God models something, it's probably a good idea to copy that? Yeah. Now, if I were to model for you how to play in fantasy football, how many of you guys think that would be a good idea? 
Amen, brother. He knows. I'm a missionary kid born and raised in Spain playing soccer. No, I am 2-12 and 12 and the season is over. Okay? I was literally the worst person in my league out of all of the 12 guys that played in our fantasy football league. It seemed like, you know, when I would pick a guy, he would do really well. I'm like, sweet, he's doing good. He's hot. Put him in. It's like, pfft. he twists an ankle like in the first play. You know, I'm like, what? No! You know, so anyway, uh, 25 bucks, whatever. But uh, the good news is I don't have to play fantasy football next year. But if I were to tell you, hey, copy me in my fantasy football, I'd be like, no, I don't think so. I'm going to do what you don't do. That's what I'm going to do. Um, but when it comes to the Lord, I think it's safe to say we want to copy and emulate the things that He models for us. And so in the very first chapter of the very first book of His revelation to us as His people, the Word of God, the Bible, He's talking about creation, right? In, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes into detail about what God said, let there be light. And he separated the light from the darkness and called one day, one night. And he created, you know, the land and the sea and separated those and so forth. But several times throughout that very first chapter, it says these words. And God said what? It is good. Say that again. It is good. You know what God was doing? I believe God was modeling for us what it looks like to celebrate, to stop for a moment in the midst of, obviously, can you imagine having a project like um, creating everything? Like, if you think you're overwhelmed with your job description, okay, how about create everything? Like, come up with all the different colors of fish, come up with all the different stars and the planets and all the different rotations and, you know, nuclear masses and whatever. It's like, okay, that was God's project. Pretty busy, right? In six or seven days. But he stopped and said, man, I want to stop for a second and say, it is good. I'm going to celebrate what I just did. On his case, you know, he couldn't say like, praise God, because God's him. So <laughs> it was kind of like, yeah, it is good. High five. Um, but here's the deal. He's modeling for us what that looks like. How about this? He doesn't just model it, but he also commanded it for his people. Do you realize that? Right early on. So come back to the story of where Moses was leading the people of God through the desert to the promised land, they met at Mount Sinai, and God gave them the Ten Commandments and revealed himself to them in a very powerful way in the desert. And those first four commandments deal with their relationship with God, and then the, the last six dealt with their relationship with each other. But here's the interesting thing. The fourth commandment says this, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, right? And here's what I believe was God's intent is that, is that it's so important in our lives to have regular times when we stop, we rest, and we celebrate. And we look back at the goodness of God and we say, man, God has been good to us. God has been good to us. And God felt that strongly about that. He actually instituted that rhythm in the lives of his people with the death penalty. Do you think he's pretty serious about how important that is? Now, thankfully, we don't have that today. Okay, so don't worry. Nobody's going to stone you if you, you know, go out and collect a few sticks or whatever, like happened in the book of Exodus. Um, a guy, you know, was working on the Sabbath. That's not, the point is this. We're not under the law. We're not under some sort of obligation. That's, that's gone. Christ came, fulfilled the law. But I think it's okay to ask ourselves, wow, if he was that serious about that, was there like a really powerful benefit to stopping for a moment and reflecting on the goodness of God? I think there is. And I think if God's people were had the radio on and their little tents out in the desert on the Sabbath day. You know what I think was planned? It was this song called, How Good It Is to Be Loved by You. Oh, come on, come on, you weren't ready, you weren't ready. How good it is to be loved by you. 
I'm not sure what goes there, but I know it's like a little do, 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 do. Anyway, okay. But that's the point. They were stopping to reflect and to celebrate, God, it is so good to be loved by you. It is so good to be your covenant people. It is so good to have a God like you that has promised to look after us, that has promised to bring us into a land flowing with milk and honey, that has promised to take care of his people, that has promised to fill our lives with your presence and with your love. Wow, how good it is to be loved by you. Do you feel that way about God? I hope you do. I hope you've tasted the goodness and the sweetness of his love for you. It is good. There's nothing greater than to be loved by him and to be in covenant with him. And it's something to celebrate. And that's what God wanted his people to celebrate every week, to be able to take a moment or a day and just rejoice and celebrate that. How about this? He didn't just give them the Sabbath every week, but certain times of the year they had feasts and festivals that were established. For example, coming back to this story about how God sent ten plagues, brought them out of Egypt, that last plague was where the angel of death had been sent, and he was going to put to death all the firstborn, but he passed over all the homes of the Israelites because he had had them put blood on the doorposts, symbolizing Jesus and the way that his death covered us from the judgment of God. But he passed over, and so that is when the Passover was established. And God said, celebrate this every year. It's important. I want you to eat. I want you to celebrate. I want you to have certain foods and certain things that remembered. And, and, and it was a powerful thing that took place as God's people celebrated those feasts and remembered what God had done for them. What about this? We also look in Scripture even in those early books of the Bible, and see different people building altars to God, which were basically stones that were collected and put in a big heap, and then oftentimes they would sacrifice an animal on it, or they would simply build the stone as a memorial to the Lord. For example, Noah. You guys remember Noah? Okay, anybody seen the movie? Anybody wish he hadn't? No, anyway, okay. I haven't seen it yet, I'm sorry. So I don't know, I don't, I don't know that which I speak, but I've heard it. So they took a few liberties, let's just say, in some crazy stone giant creatures. Anyway, but it can still be fun. Uh, but the point being, in the true story of Noah, God had looked upon creation, seen that everybody was evil and wicked. And he said that he literally was grieved that he had made mankind. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so that one man and his family was saved by God. He gave him the plan to build the ark. He obeyed God. He built the ark. Rain 40 days and 40 nights. Everything else and everyone else was destroyed in God's judgment. But God was merciful and faithful to Noah and his family, kept them in that ark for over a year until they were finally able to set foot on dry land again. And you know what the first thing was that Noah did when he came out of that ark? Well, the first thing was probably run around in circles for about, you know, 10 miles like, whoa, cabin fever, ah! But the second thing he did after he did that was build an altar to the Lord. He built an altar. He gathered some stones and said, I want to remember how God brought us through this impossible situation. I want to remember how good God has been to us. I want to celebrate that we're alive. I want to celebrate that He's making all things new. I want to celebrate that He's been faithful and good to us. Similarly, uh, Abram and Abraham, who was later called Abraham, uh, built an altar to the Lord when God appeared to him in Genesis chapter 12 and said, hey, I've chosen you, Abraham, out of all the nations of the earth. I love you, and I'm going to multiply your descendants like the stars of the sky, like the sand of the seashore. And whoever blesses you, I will bless. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And so he built an altar. He collected some stones and built it to the Lord 
Then he went over to another place, built another altar, and then came back to this altar. Why? Why so many altars? I want us to understand, it was because these were places that they could point to and say, right here is where God made a promise to me. Right here is where God showed himself faithful. Right here, God showed his power in my life. And I want to remember it, and I want everyone to know it. So there's power in what we are commanded to do in Scripture and in celebrating together. I just want to share with you real quickly three other thoughts about celebration. One is this. Celebration helps us remember the good. Celebration helps us remember the good. I don't know about you, but with me it seems like I'm just kind of naturally pre-programmed to remember bad stuff. You know what I'm saying? If you're like, how'd your week go? I'll be like, that one guy cut me off on the road. Uh... My son didn't do the dishes on Wednesday. And, you know, it just, for some reason, right, you can hear seven compliments. And one person doesn't like, you know, the scripture that you used in the sermon or whatever. Guess what you're going to go home and think about? Oh, man. Oh, I can't believe it. Why did I choose that in the first place? Oh, man. Well, who does she think she is? You know, <laughs> whatever. But it's just we seem to just have this natural tendency to remember the painful things, the hurtful things, the difficult things. And sometimes we forget the amazingly good things in our lives. I believe God knows that about us, right? He's our creator. He's our designer. He knows how we're formed. He knows the impact that, you know, the fall of man had and our sinful nature and all that stuff. And so I believe that he implemented these times of celebration to help cement the good things into our spirit and into our mind. And here's how he does it. It was multi-sensory. Anybody been to like the 4D stuff, at like Disney World, Disneyland, whatever? You know, where you get poked in the back, like by the little bee thing, like, ah, whoo! And then you get like sprayed, you know. Well, it, the festivals of God were something like that. It involved sense of smell. How many of you guys like a good barbecue? Or a good like roast beef? Or, you know, anybody have like a special meal around Christmas time? I've heard different people, you know, crab legs, you know, whatever. A lot of delicious foods. Last night, here's a confession. We were at Qdoba. And I had just had an entire naked burrito bowl filled to the brim. And somebody started talking about uh, prime rib. And of all things, I like started getting hungry again. I just literally had like a thousand calorie meal. And I was like, prime rib with horseradish? And it was like, oh yeah, half hour on 500 degrees. And then, you know, three hours. I was like, <laughs> you know. But here's the deal. When we smell something, when we, when we taste something, it begins to sear something in our memory, doesn't it? It, it creates a memory. It creates something special that engages our emotions and engages our soul and our mind and our spirit as a whole person, right? When we smell something, God instituted some of those sacrifices to say, man, I want you guys to smell the aroma of this is what friendship with me looks like. This is what covenant with God looks like. There's a lamb and it's roasting. Mm -mm 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 -mm. You smell that? That's because I love you. That's because I've made covenant with you. Right? Or what about this? I want you to taste it. I want you to partake of this meal together. Gather your kids. You know there was games in the Passover. There's like a, a Seder. There's a game where they send the kids out like a hide-and-seek thing to find the little piece of, of matzah bread that's been hidden by the parents. I mean, it engaged fun and playfulness and laughter, singing. There's songs that they sang. It engaged the whole person. God wants us to celebrate with him because it cements and helps us remember the good things that he does in our lives that we so easily forget. What about this one? It doesn't just help us remember the good, but it also gives us context and builds our faith. Celebrating gives us context and builds our faith. I don't know about you guys, but in my life, as I look at my years, and including 2014, 
I kind of see like peaks and valleys, okay? So kind of looking back at the, the topography of the year, it's kind of like, oh, wow, woo, this happened, you know? And uh, in, you know, February, I got a new Jeep. Woo, yeah, God's good. Woo, I'm his favorite. And then it's like, whoa, you know? And then it's like, March, I was really insecure about my leadership. And I went to that leadership conference that, you know, those guys that really had it put together. And well, what do I even think I'm doing being a pastor? Oh, God. And then it's like, you know, April, oh, it looks like my son is going to graduate from high school, which he says he knew all along. But he just kind of left a little suspense for the rest of us. He's in the room here. Like, it's, so it's like, he did graduate in May. Woo, God's in control. He's so good. And then it's like, Whoa, you know, then the next thing happened, the next challenge. Is that how it is in your life? I think, I don't know many people that just kind of have bing, 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 you know, squirrel kind of thing bouncing on the top of the mountain peaks, whatever. Most of us, it's kind of like peaks and valleys, right? But here's the deal. I believe that two people can experience the exact same set of circumstances, good and bad, easy and difficult, right, pleasant, unpleasant, and have two completely different interpretations of what just happened. Right? I think one person can have a victory and celebration mindset, and they're going, man, God is good. Man, He is faithful. He has brought me. Woo, look at the view up here. Oh, man, feel that wind in my hair. I love the mountaintop. And then it's like, whoa, okay, God. Woo, oh, this is, whoa, where are you, God? Okay. Well, man, I'm remembering. Man, you, you, you had me on that mountaintop, Lord. You helped me get up there once. You're going to do it again. I don't know when. Wow, this is tough. Ow, this hurts. Man, when is it going to And all of a sudden, it's like, God brings me up. I knew it. I knew it. I told you. He brought me back up. I told you he brought me back. And it's like, yes, Lord. So what do they do right here? They stop, and they build an altar, and they celebrate. Man, kids, gather around. We didn't know how we were going to have a Christmas this year, but man, mommy got a bonus. And, you know, we didn't realize what was going to happen or we were able to sell this and we got Christmas presents and whatever, right? They stop and they build an altar and they celebrate. And they're going from here through here to here. Does that make sense? That's the victory. The other, and then guess what? They're probably going to go back here. But then they're going from here through here to here, right? The Bible talks about going from glory to glory. That's how God wants us to see His faithfulness and His love in our lives. But there's other people that have the exact same pattern, but that are kind of going from here, through here, back down to here. And they're like, yeah, I don't know, I just never seem to get any breaks. I just never, and it's like, whoa, oh, this is what other people feel when they're successful. Oh, yeah, but no, we're back here. Yeah, this is where, I told you it wouldn't last, you know. And it's like, what? You're having the exact same experience as the other person. But your mindset is so totally like, oh, why can't God just keep these things? And it's like, so you're going from defeat to defeat. When we celebrate, it helps us establish the context. No, no, no. Yes, I get it. There's lows and highs. I'm not in denial. I'm a real person. I hurt. Man, there's very painful things that happen in our lives this year. I'm serious. I mean, last couple years have not been particularly easy years for, for our family and for our lives. If I'm being truly honest with you guys. Um, but, but it doesn't mean that we can't celebrate in faith and say, but God is faithful. But God is good. But God got us through that. But God's going to get us through again, right? It's that but God attitude and mindset and outlook that makes all the difference. It might not change all the lows and highs, but it sets us in a glory to glory and a victory in a my God is faithful and I celebrate him mindset, which opens our heart for even better things in times to come. 
So faith can give us context, excuse me, celebration can give us context and build our faith. The third observation real quickly before we actually practice this is that celebration builds community. Celebration builds community. Um, now, some victories, and, and you tell me if you agree with this, are just personal little victories. So I have this little app on my phone that's linked to the GPS kind of thing. So when I go out for a run, it keeps track of my pace and the distance and time and so forth. And it will actually keep track of particular little routes. So if I've already run from this street to this street on this little bike path, it'll kind of go, hey, you did it better than last time. You are such a stud. You are the king of the world. You are such an athlete from here to the Olympics, man. You know, something like that. You know, I have it programmed, so it talks to me that way. Anyway, so, you know, I'm like, woo, you're right. I am, yes, you know, and all that. And so, so I'll come in, bust the door down my house. Honey, I ran a personal best from, you know, Wildcat Reserve. And she's like, oh, that's nice, dear. You know, and she keeps doing the dishes, you know, good wife that she is. And uh, I'm like, sometimes other people don't quite engage with us. In our celebrations, would you agree? There's some celebrations just like, hey, personal best, sweet, you know, shout about it in your car and then, you know, move on. Thank God. That's cool. But a lot of the things that God wants to do in our lives, He does want us to celebrate together in community. If you look at, again, the feast of the Passover, the feast of Purim, when all the people were going to be exterminated by this evil uh, helper to the king of Persia, and, and through Esther, God brought about a great deliverance to his people. They were able not only to defend themselves, but to actually plunder their enemies. And so every year they celebrate Purim. So there was, these, it was done together as families, together as a nation, together, I would say in God's word, as a church. We can celebrate. God calls us and invites us into community to celebrate His goodness, not just individually, but together. I want to encourage you. I know uh, we've had uh, a lot of transition over the last couple of years, and there's a lot of newer folks in our church. And, and if you're that, you're probably going, do I really belong here? Is this, do they want me? Is this, yes, yes, we want you. Yes, you do belong. Yes, we want you. We invite you. We welcome you to be a part of this family to be a part of what God is doing, to celebrate with us, to live life with us, to rejoice with us. And I want to encourage you, as you look at 2015, man, hear that as an invitation from the Lord to say, yeah, be a part of what I'm doing. So that in 2015, as we begin to celebrate the victories together that God accomplished that year, you can be a part of those with us and go, yes, that is so awesome. I was a part of that. I was a part of what God did around here. For those of you that already have been around, man, what a cool thing. You will see yourselves as we, in just a moment, take a, a few minutes to, to look at some of the things that God has done together. You can say, man, I was a part of that. Man, I prayed for that. Man, I gave towards that. Man, I helped serve at that. Wow, God, you're so great. God wants us to celebrate in community and belong together. So, and wow, I don't think I started my timer, so I think that means I can preach forever. Um, that's a good sign. Woo, glory. Get comfy. Okay. All right, so I wanted to take a, a little bit of time and celebrate this uh, together as, uh, as a church. So uh, here's a few of the things that God has done. Now, I want us to warm up because celebrating is, is not just something you just kind of do. You have to prepare. You have to like, so everybody, reach your hands up in the air. Stretch out. Oh, okay, good. You can put them down. All right, now stretch out your, your neck because celebrating involves a lot of neck work. Okay, good. Now, are you ready? Everybody go, whoo, whoo. Okay, how about everybody, um, let's just like go nuts 
cheering and clapping for like two seconds. Are you ready? On the count of three? Are you ready? Yes? One, two, three. Woo! Yeah! Okay. Okay. Good. Awesome. All right. You feel warmed up? You feel ready to celebrate? Yes? Okay. All right. I need, uh, okay, all right, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share with you a few things that God did through you guys in 2014 that are worth celebrating. And here's the deal. I know it can feel cheesy to celebrate, okay? It can feel like, what in the world, you know? But here's the deal. When we do it, when we have a childlike faith and say, you know what, God? If it matters to you, if it's something that, that, that means somebody might spend eternity in heaven rather than hell, if it means somebody found life and hope instead of despair, if it means that you did something, you know, whether here in our church or around the world, that truly brings Jesus glory, man, isn't that something that's worth getting a little bit excited about? That's worth celebrating together? So I invite you in that. Let's do that uh, in the next few minutes. And I, I guarantee you, if you're willing to kind of stretch a little bit in this exercise, I believe you'll see this have a power that it hasn't had in the past in your own life and in your own family. So a few things. Uh, Giving. I'm going to start with this one. Our church was able to give because of your generosity, because of your faithfulness to the Lord. We were able to give $424,000 to missions, not including special offerings, and also uh, 41000 of that went to the nation of Israel. Can we just go nuts and praise God for that? We're going to put that as our first stone right here of our stone of uh, remembrance and, and celebration to the Lord. What about this? Was anybody here involved in either Easter services or the Life Day celebration that we had on May 24th where we went to Shea Stadium? Did you help in any way? Karen? Yes, come on up, grab a stone, put it on uh, this table. I know, you didn't know, did you? Now if everybody else is going to know, but I'm still going to pick on you. As you're grabbing a stone, I'm going to tell you some cool things that happened. 300 salvation packets were taken on Easter weekend. Uh, isn't that awesome? Woo! Yes. 14 services reaching 5,000 people. 140 people were baptized on Life Day following Jesus in that step. $15,000 was raised for missions. Isn't God awesome? Yes. Woo! All right, some of you might have to like you literally jump up and down here on some of these. Okay, so I'm giving you permission, all right? If you want to run around like three times and then sit down, you can do that too. All right, how about this? Missions and outreach, 54 countries were impacted with the love of Jesus through JFC this year, whether through missions trips. We had uh, uh, 145 people that went on eight different missions trips to carry the love of Jesus around the world. Was anybody here involved in sending someone, giving money towards someone going on a missions trip, praying for someone on a missions trip? Let me see your hand. Okay, right here. Come on, Julie, grab a stone. And yeah, give it up for Julie. Woo! Set it on there. Here's some other things that happened. The Estes Park, the family that uh, lost, well, one of the families that lost their homes, we were able to give $50,000 towards that, raise money, begin to rebuild their home for them. Uh, over 1,500 gifts were given uh, towards Christmas projects, towards kids that needed that. And JFC helped start two churches here in the Denver area with $40,000 and some people to help seed their leadership teams. Isn't God awesome? Let's give Him praise. Woo! Yeah! All right, how about this? Was anyone here a part 
of our conferences or camps this year. So we had ladies conference, men's conference, we had junior high and senior high retreats, and we had a kids camp. Did any of you send your children to one of those? Any of you help pay for them to get there? Any of you serve as a counselor? Let me see. Who? Who is it? Right here. Come on, Bill or Dana. Come on. Both of you guys, you can share. Bill's kind of a little guy. He might need some help carrying one of these stones. No, I'm just kidding. That's awesome. Let me tell you what God did at some of those things while he's putting that stone there. Ladies' conference, 201 people, including staff, attended and were changed in their spirits. Men's conference, 180, including 21 from right here in Castle Rock. Kids camp, 120 kids almost attended that, including staff. Junior high retreat, listen to this, 116 kids went, including 20 first-time decisions to make Jesus the Savior of their lives. Give it up for Jesus! Woo! Yes, Lord! What about this? Senior high retreat, 142 attended. There were six-time decisions for Jesus. 41 kids chose to come back and renew their relationship with Jesus. And almost a third of the kids who were there felt a calling to serve God in ministry and make their lives count for the kingdom of God in, in the most po powerful way that they could. Can we give it up for God and what He's done? Yeah. Amen. So those are some of the things that God did as uh, JFC as a whole. I wanted to share with you just a couple um, that God did right here in Castle Rock that I really felt I saw as a campus pastor here. And that was uh, one of the things that you may have noticed. We have several new staff members uh, here that are part of our staff this year. And man, I'm so excited because uh, both those that have been with us for a couple of years and those that are new are bringing such strength and sex unity. So we've got uh, those that have been with us for a little while are Rob and Amy Painter, Daniel and Jennifer Dick. Yeah, uh, and uh, give it up for them. <laughs> Daniel's just very humbly and modestly hanging out down there in black in the, in the audio booth. Uh, and also Donnie Camp. I don't know where he's at, but give it up for Donnie. In the back with a cool hat, beanie, whatever. Um, so those guys, it just feels like, man, we're getting just tighter knit and just more working together as a team and in unity. And it just, man, your loyalty, your faithfulness is such a blessing to every one of these people and to the Lord and to Tammy and me. And then we've got uh, in youth group, Brooke and Eric, who are over there right now doing discipleship. Man, they are a godsend. They've got an anointing that they bring, a passion to just help these kids grow in Jesus. We've got Janelle back in Kids Church, who, man, is taking it to another level. Man, she's got the whole thing where, you know, this is the process and how you do it. And we're learning about Jesus, but we're sitting in our chairs and we're, you know, she's got some experience with that and kind of bringing a whole new level there to that. We've got Brian and Season Calgary in our nursery just praying every week. And God, let these kids experience the Father heart of God. Let them not just come in and get a lesson, not just get a snack, but truly experience the love of Jesus. I'm telling you what, God has brought together a team that is going to see great things happen and that is so excited to serve each and every one of you guys. And I want to thank every one of you guys who's helping in any one of those ministries. And those of you guys that are going to be helping in 2015 as God moves in your heart to say, wow, Lord, this is our, you know, coming back to that point of, 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 of celebration involves community. It involves togetherness. You know, that's one of my prayers for that is that, that as we move into 2015, more than ever, we'll be like, this is my church. It's not DJ and Cammie's church. It's not even Pastor John's church. It's not, it's my church. It's our church. This is my youth ministry. This is my nursery ministry, whether I've got kids in there or not. This is my children's ministry, whether I've got kids in that age or not. Because we all benefit as we all grow together, as we all see God do amazing things. So I'm just believing God's increasing that heart in every one of us as a community. Speaking of community, how many of you guys were a part, who was a part of a selfie group? 
Any part of a selfie group? No? Come on up. Grab a stone, brother. Come on up. It's Noel's doing that. Man, we had like five or six selfie groups going on during the month of November as a companion to the selfie series. But here's what was exciting. People were gathering in homes. People were beginning to break down walls and build new relationships. And here's the cool thing, too. Not only did we have a better participation than we've ever had, but the leaders that rose up and said, yeah, you can meet in my home. Yeah, sure, I'll facilitate. Yeah, I want to be a part of what God's doing. It was so exciting. I was on a run a, a couple of months ago. I believe it was late September, September 23rd or so. And I felt like God said, you are sitting on a gold mine here in Castle Rock. This thing is about to explode because as I, as the campus pastor, and all of us together have eyes to see the way God sees you guys, the potential He's put, the possibility, the passion, the love, the, the fire that's burning inside you to be used in whatever way. It doesn't have to be like anybody else, but in whatever way He's put in your heart to serve and to love others and to come together. I'm telling you what, it is, a, it is an atomic force to be dealt with. And we're going to begin to see that more than ever in 2015. So I'm going to throw, uh, okay, I think Noel already did, but I'm going to throw an extra rock because I'm doubly excited about that one. So here we go. All right, what about this? Uh, hunger to grow in the Lord. We have, uh, we announced this Costa Rica mission trip, uh, I don't know, within the last month or month and a half. And man, we are already filled with people that are saying, yes, Lord, use me. Yes, God, I want to go. Maybe I've never done something like this before. Maybe I've done it several times. But man, God, I'm hungry to see you use me in another country to let people, let pimps and prostitutes and transvestites and, you know, whoever, right, drug dealers and little children and orphans know of your great love for them. Man, it's so exciting to see God be doing something like that. So is anybody uh, going on the trip to Costa Rica who's in here this morning? Or is anybody planning on praying and supporting them? Let me see you. Somebody? Let me see you. Come on. Come on. Somebody? Okay, back in the back. Rachel, come on up. Grab a stone. Give it up for uh, what God is going to do this coming year. You can grab a stone right there. Right there. Um, and here's the, the last thing I wanted to share in terms of, of, of Castle Rock Campus is the presence of God in our worship. Man, I don't know about you, but uh, I am just blessed week after week as we come into the presence of the Lord and enjoy His sweet spirit and His worship. So uh, is anybody here a part of the worship team or serving in that ministry in any way? Let me see you. Hands. Okay, right there. All right, Trevor, come on up. Grab a rock. Man, let's give it up. Let's celebrate what God has done there. Awesome. So see how kind of how that works is it's a matter of taking time to look back and see what God has done in our lives and how He has been faithful to us. I began to look back at 2014. I've got a, a journal uh, that I keep. I, I do one on here, then I kind of switched halfway through the year and do it on my little iPad online. But I began to read through those different things that I wrote, different challenges that I went through, man, some of them aren't pretty. You know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, God, this is a tough deal. Man, this is a, I don't, uh, what are you doing here? I don't know how we're going to get through this. All of a sudden, guess what? God would bring us through. God would show himself faithful. God would show his kindness to us. Man, we had all kinds of things from, like I said, you know, getting a new Jeep in February. Woo, everything's great. Zach graduating. Woo, yeah, doubly great. My son got married in October. I was like, yes, God, you're so awesome. My daughter had a bat mitzvah ceremony where we welcomed her into womanhood back in July. My son went on his first mission trip. But then there was also a lot of things that were painful, you know, things that were, wow, Lord, this is a little bit of that valley. 
that we were talking about. Here's something I want to share with you. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe as you look back at 2014 and even right now, maybe you're on one of those mountaintops and you're like, wow, yes. Man, I don't have to look hard. I see the favor of God all over me. I see his goodness, man. He's brought me through. He's brought me back to that next mountaintop. And I am shouting and rejoicing in the goodness of the Lord. Praise God, man. We rejoice with you in that. But maybe you're somewhere in the valley or somewhere halfway up where you're like, man, I don't know what we're going to do with this situation. I'm not sure how God is going to provide, how he's going to heal, how he's going to change this, how he's going to work in this relationship in my life. I wanted to share with you from Psalm 42, David, a man who was called a man after God's own heart, penned these words. Why, my soul, are you downcast? And why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And then listen to this. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. He said, my soul is downcast. Therefore, what? I will remember. You see, when we've built these altars, when we've taken time to celebrate the goodness of God in our lives, when He brings us through a valley and up on the other side, if we've done what Joshua and the people of Israel did in Joshua chapter 4, it's going to be a lot easier to have something to hold on to when we're in the middle of the next valley. You see what I mean? Because we'll be able to look back and go, hey, see that altar there? That's when God brought us through that last challenge. That's when God healed us when we were sick. That's when God provided where there seemed to be no way. That's when God mended a relationship that was stuck in bitterness and unforgiveness. And He can do it again and He will do it again. So that's why it's so important, church, to build an altar of remembrance and to celebrate the goodness of God. Here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to stand to your feet. And we're going to have the worship team come back up here. And we're going to have a time of worship. But while we're doing that, as soon as the music begins, I want you guys to step out of your seats and go to one of our crosses. We've got little stones. They're not as big as these, I promise. We've got some little stones and some Sharpies. And if, if, if this message rings true in your heart, if you feel like, yes, Lord, it is true. Celebration has a spiritual impact in my life that I want to establish. I want to take a step in recognizing your goodness, saying you have been good, you are good, you will be good in my life, and building that tribute to the Lord. I want you to take a first step today before you even leave here during this worship time and write something down that God has done in your life in 2014. Write a challenge that He's brought you through, a way He's blessed you, a way you've seen His love, something that He brought that was unexpected, whatever it might be. Write that with a 2014 on there. And then put that, take it with you, put it somewhere prominent in your home. Put it on your, you know, bathroom thing or on your desk or somewhere in your car where you're going to see that and be reminded of God's goodness every time you walk past it. And then what I would encourage you to do is this. If you can take some time with your spouse or maybe with your kids or with a friend and just do this together in community before the end of the year. You've got three or four days here. Before the end of the year. And be able to have each other be able to speak out loud the goodness of God. Let's celebrate Him together. Let's build an altar of remembrance and see what He will do in preparing our hearts to receive from Him in the year ahead. Let's worship together and let's respond with the stones.